0: CHAPTER Fourteen OF THE LITTLE FORESTERS A STORY OF FIELD AND WOODS This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli THE LITTLE FORESTERS A STORY OF FIELD AND WOODS by Clarence Hawkes CHAPTER Fourteen: THE LAST MEETING Summer had come and gone, and with it the flowers and fruit that are a part of that delightful season. The delicious autumn, too, was nearly spent, and a feeling of wistfulness was on all the little foresters, a longing for the joy that had gone, and a wish that they might in some way turn back the wheel of time and live those delightful days over again. Birds that had been fledglings in May and June were now as large as their parents, flying about with all the importance of grown-ups. Squirrels that had been bits of fuzz when the summer came now frisked in the branches of the trees and scolded and chattered away in a manner that made the woods ring and their parents very proud of them. October had come and gone, the nuts had fallen, and the winter's store had been laid up. It was nearing the time of separation, when the birds, the squirrels, and the rabbits would hold the last meeting of the season at the old trysting tree where farewells were said, for some would fly away to their winter homes, while others would go into the deep woods or den up for the winter." They had become such good friends during the summer days that it was always hard to part in the autumn. Besides, no one could tell what might happen before they met again. The night of the 15th of November was very cold, and when the little foresters awoke upon the 16th, they discovered that there had been a light flurry of snow during the night and that settled it as far as most of them were concerned. When the sun rose over the eastern hills, Nimrod came flying to the trysting tree, sounding the call for the last meeting. At the sound of Nimrod's familiar call, the little foresters came flying, running, and jumping to the trysting tree, for all knew that it was to be the last meeting, and none wished to be late. But all did not respond to the call, for some had already said farewell and started south. Even a month ago, Blythe Bobolink had said goodbye and had flown away to the rice fields of the Carolinas. It was sad to have him go, and all the other birds missed the wonderful song that he always poured out so unstintingly. "'What a gay fellow he was, so good-natured "'and ready to look upon the bright side of life "'and always singing. "'Scarlet Tanager and oriole, two more sweet singers, "'had also said good-bye to stern New England "'and flown away to Maryland or Virginia, I know not which, "'for sometimes they wintered in one place "'and sometimes in the other.' and this particular year they did not tell where they were going. But Cock Robin was still here, and when the sun was warm, he poured out such a flood of melody that one would have thought that summer was just coming in instead of going out. This morning he brought quite a flock of his fellow robins, who had come in the night before from the north and who were all going southward as fast as their wings could carry them. "'Friends,' said Nimrod, when all had assembled, and beaks and noses had been counted, "'we are assembled for the last time this year, and as chairman of this company, and one in whom I think I may say you all have confidence,' here Nimrod stopped to admire the glitter of his wing in the sunlight, And all the birds and squirrels cried, Yes, yes, go on, Nimrod. As chairman of this company, repeated the old crow, I shall in a few brief words sum up the summer's work, count over those things for which we ought to be truly grateful, and say a word of farewell to you all. But before I say these words, I am going to tell you of a discovery I made the other day. It is something that concerns us all. Nimrod is always making discoveries, said Cock Robin. What is it, Nimrod? Well, continued the crow, you know we have not seen Danger, the big white owl, for several days. We used to see him often enough— and always when we did not want to, but of late I think no one has seen him. Well, night before last I was awakened from a sound sleep by hearing him hoot. There is no mistaking his hoot, for no other owl makes such hideous noises. I kept very still and listened, and could not locate the sound for a long time, but finally I decided it came from up towards the farmhouse. I thought it very strange, but went to sleep and dreamed upon it. The next morning I saw all of the people at the farmhouse go off down the road, and when they were out of sight I flew up and looked around. For a long time I could discover nothing out of the ordinary, but presently I saw a cage swinging in the big elm, and inside "'Winking and blinking with his two yellow eyes was Danger, "'the great white owl, the terror of the woods. "'I was so astonished that I nearly fell off the limb of the tree "'upon which I was sitting, "'but of course Danger did not see me as it was broad daylight. "'After watching him for a while, I gave a derisive caw. "'Who, who?' asked Danger looking up, but he could not see me, for the sun was very bright. Who, who, he repeated, winking harder than ever, and trying to get a glimpse of me with his big yellow eyes. It is your friend, Nimrod, I said, going close to the cage. What a fine house you have here. When did you move in? Friend Nimrod, he screeched. "'coming up to the bars and clutching them fiercely with his claws. "'You are no friend of mine. "'I would like to wring your silly neck, "'but it would not be worth my while. "'You are a noisy fool, but not worth killing.' "'And he went to sleep on his perch, "'and I could not get another word out of him, "'so finally flew away and left him in his gilded cage.' It is a good place for him, and I trust that he has done the last of his thieving in these woods. He is too handsome for them to ever let him go, and when they tire of his silly hooting and blinking, they will stuff him, and he will look as wise as ever, and be quite as useful. "'Good, good!' cried all the little foresters. "'We shall not have to fear him any more.' "'No, he will not trouble us any more,' said Nimrod. "'And I think, my friends, that on the whole "'we have a great deal to be thankful for "'and a very pleasant year to look forward to. "'You will remember how Redtail and Sneak, "'our two worst enemies, perished together "'in that last desperate struggle. "'Our friend Bob, who sits at the foot of this tree,' "'disposed of Sir Reynard for us in a very clever manner. "'I myself planned the destruction of black lightning, "'although you all helped me bravely. "'Now that many of our enemies are dead, "'the forest that is our home will be freer, greener, "'and pleasanter than ever. "'Now, as the sun is getting high, "'and I know that many of you are anxious to be off, "'let me wish you all a pleasant winter,' and a safe return to the green hills and the peaceful valleys that we love so well, and this is my advice to you. Remember your wits. Never leave them behind, and you may need them when you least expect, for shot fly faster than birds, and man is very cunning. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. Hi ho for the Cumberland Mountains!' cried Robin, "'leaving his friends in a swift flight across the meadows. "'Jersey is the place for me!' cried the brown thresher, "'following Cockrobin's lead. "'I'll build me a nest in a cave by the sea "'on the coast of Virginia,' twittered the barn swallow, "'and he skimmed away over the fields, "'flying just above the stubble. "'Way, way,' piped the jay. "'What is their hurry? "'I shall stay on until the corn is in, "'and then I guess Long Island is good enough for me. "'If you don't get too far south, "'you don't have so far to fly back.' "'Good-bye,' sang the bluebird in his pleasant cheery-cheery. "'I know a river called the Shenandoah,' "'where the fields are evergreen and the sun is always shining. "'I'll away to the valley of the Shenandoah.' "'Well, Chip,' said Nimrod to the little squirrel "'as he frisked down the old oak, "'I don't see but you and I and a few friends "'will have the forest all to ourselves this winter.' "'Oh, no!' cried several voices. "'I shall always be here,' said rough grouse from a thicket nearby. "'And I!' tapped the woodpecker from a dead limb. "'I may stay myself for a time,' piped the jay. "'Chickory-dee-dee-dee!' came from the thicket. "'Chickory-dee-dee-dee! "'I shall be here, and so will Snowbird and Grosbeak, "'and you yourself, Nimrod. "'You will not desert us.' No, said the old crow, I shall not desert you. I'll stay in the deep woods, and you will occasionally see me when the weather is fine. But it made me feel lonesome for a moment, having them all fly away. But I see that we shall still be a goodly company to hold the woods for them until they all come back. With these words he flew away to the cornfield, where there were still some kernels to be found upon the ground for his breakfast. The old trysting tree was vacant, no sound was heard in its branches, save the sighing and moaning of the cold November wind and the rustle of withered leaves. Gone were the birds and the squirrels, Gone were the leaves and the acorns, and the only thing to do was to wait patiently for that first sweet whisper of springtime. End of Chapter 14 End of The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods by Clarence Hawkes